The Hand of Brass Episode 16 Unpleasant Surprise Three days into the siege of the Berenian capital, the walls held fast. Alamendian trebuchets flung fiery rubble, shattering on impact, crushing houses and setting them alight. Orc citizens and soldiers hastily ran with buckets of water in an attempt to contain the flames as the sky rained fire. Arrows flew from both ends, slaying humans and orcs alike. A huge piece of rubble exploded near Brannock on the wall. Hold fast, men! They may have us outnumbered, but we are honed with iron metal. General Brannock, enemy forces advancing on the northern wall. They have a siege tower. Now this is blood. Sir Desmond, grab your brigade. Stop that tower at all costs. This is your time to shine, new knight. Yes, General. To me, my men. We make for the northern wall. The siege tower steadily made its way to the wall. Its metal plate seemed nigh invulnerable to the hail of Berenian arrows. It planted itself on the wall, and the top of the tower released its drawbridge, unleashing a battalion of bloodthirsty men. Desmond and his troop were there to meet them. They knew they must disable the siege tower before its battering ram broke through the wall below. But how? The siege tower was made out of sheets of iron that covered the wooden frames. Slashing through the thick of it, Desmond managed to fight his way into the tower itself. He swiftly headed down the tower steps. He was to disable the battering ram from the inside. When he got down to the base, he saw two men operating the tower, but he did not see a battering ram. The two men turned to see who was behind them, revealing they were about to light a fuse attached to an enormous barrel. Blast powder. Desmond quickly stabbed one man in the gut, but his blade became stuck. The other man who was holding the fuse panicked as he fumbled desperately trying to light the fuse. Desmond relinquished his trapped sword and grappled the man and attempted to wrestle the tinders out of his hands. The fuse sparked as they struggled for control. Desmond punched the man in the temple, incapacitating him, and as he desperately tried to reach the lit fuse, the north wall fell. Archmage Fendlin sat at his desk, looking over a study of arcane fission versus transmutation. He was an older man with a short, trimmed gray beard. His features were that of a half-elf, with slightly pointed ears and slimmer figure. His study, were it not in such disarray, would have been a library for the number of books it housed. His desk was littered with scrolls and arcane research dossiers. Enter. Archmage Vendelin. Vendelin looked up at Selene his face almost in a scowl. Sit. Vendelin motioned to the chair that sat across from him. Before you begin, Selene, know this. I am only speaking to you out of courtesy to your father. He has been a major donator to the Draconians in the past few years. So, consider this more of a formal courtesy rather than a meeting. My father was a donator? He began donating generous sums a year or so after you arrived here to train with us. Under normal circumstances, your banishment from this order would prevent you from even approaching these premises. You can plead your case to come back to the Draconians, but it will be in vain. No amount of money will undo what has been done. With all due respect, sir, you are mistaken. This meeting is not about returning to the Draconians. I come as an ambassador to Berenia. Alomendia is storming the capital with all of its forces. I would expect you, of all people, to know that asking us to go to war is impossible. 
We have sworn an oath of neutrality in the game of kings and lords since the days of Dame Danica Sinclair. This is not a case of political intrigue. Malnus is back on the material plane. And it was you who brought him here. I was deceived. I thought I was bringing- Decius back, yes. It was a shame what happened, Selene, and I truly believe your intentions were pure. But this is a mess we will not involve ourselves in. We have no chance against the forces of Malnus and must bide our time until we can come up with a solution. It has been a pleasure, Ambassador Lemaine. Now, if you will excuse me. Vendelin began to stand up to dismiss Selene, but she grabbed his hand. He looked down in surprise at such forwardness. You cannot bide your time anymore. The time to act is now. Malnus will not wait for you to come to him. He is on all of our doorsteps. With the help of the Draconians, we can fight magic with magic. We stand no chance against the powers of the Frostwitch without you. Vendelin didn't look Selene in the eye. His gaze was fixed on the runes on Selene's hand. How did you get these? What? These runes! Where did these come from? They seared into my hands just before Melnus appeared. Adon's gift. What? These, these are the flames of Adon. Ancient, divine magic gifted by Adon himself. We may have a chance to fight Malnus after all. The dwarven gate guard eyed Raven, Elric, and Duncan suspiciously, taking extra-long glances at Duncan in particular. The guard then looked further at their paperwork. Everything seems to be in order here. Keep your noses clean. I catch even one sight of weapons being drawn. I'll have you put in the stocks for a week. The trio nodded and began to move through the gates. The guard thrust out his club at Duncan, stopping him. That goes doubly for you, Humano. Duncan said nothing. After a moment, the guard removed his club and Duncan passed through. Duncan, I must say I'm surprised. Normally in situations where someone is being rude, you tend to bite back with acerbic wit. Let's just say I wasn't feeling it. Besides, there's bigger things at stake. Very true. Nonetheless, I'm proud of you, friend. <laughs> Duncan's laugh quickly turned into a cough. He stifled it as best he could. Truth be told, Duncan would have run verbal circles around that guard, but he was feeling worse and worse as the days went on. He was running a constant fever, and his left arm pained him greatly. The cough seemed to be ever-present. I must say, this city hasn't changed a bit. And technically speaking, the last time I was here was over 40 years ago. You've been here before? The Civil War was a large part of my life, but it wasn't its entirety. In fact, shortly after your mother and I got married, we traveled here to experience the architecture. Duncan, you'd love the cathedrals here in particular. They make you marry as churches look like small shrines in comparison to their complexity and size. Mother never mentioned going to Orsilia. For the most part, your mother loved it here. For the most part? I'm sure you don't want to hear the story. Actually, I would love to hear the story. Well, all right then. You see, the trip went smoothly, but when we were heading back to Humeria, we were... Elric. Though feverish and dazed, Duncan noticed a pair of dwarven men roughing up a smaller dwarf woman. Duncan leapt into action and ran down the alley, with Elric and Raven following close behind. Mason says you're late with the payment. We need the money now, or we be taking one of your fingers as interest. One ruffian drew a long knife, brandishing it in front of the poor dwarven woman. All right, boys, playtime's over. You best move on, lest I move you myself. Mind your business, Humano, before we take one of your fingers. 
I'd like to see you try, Shorty Cakes. The knife-wielding ruffian's face became flush with anger. He charged forward and leapt at Duncan, knocking him to the ground. The dwarf attempted to stab his long dagger into Duncan's throat, only to be intercepted by a metal leg kicking the weapon out of his hand. Elric then grabbed the dwarf by the beard and yanked hard, forcing his face into Elric's fist. Before the ruffian's ally could intervene, he was halted by Raven as she punched him in the stomach, winding him. The scuffle came to an abrupt stop as they all found themselves surrounded by guards and militiamen. They looked to see the little dwarven woman had slipped away and alerted the patrol. Barely gone to the city and already causing trouble. On your feet, the lot of you. There'll be no more brawling here. Hands up! Everyone stood up and raised their hands except for Duncan, who only held up his right hand. Who, Mano? Raise your other hand away from your cape and whatever weapon you may be hiding under there, lest I run you through. Duncan then reluctantly raised his left arm, letting the cape fall, unveiling his mangled brass hand. The guards all took a step back. Malness's blood. Another charlatan, eh? Secure the two street rats. I'll take these outsider troublemakers in myself. Duncan looked to Elric, who glanced back with equal confusion. We're not charlatans. Sure you're not. And I'm just taking you on a vacation through the woods. Vassini! A round-faced, portly guard stepped forward. Run up ahead and alert our fair monarch that we got another one. The guardsmen saluted and sprinted off down the street. The remaining patrolmen disarmed the trio and clasped on manacles. Leading them through the city, they found their way to a large palace made entirely of burnished metals. Looking up, Duncan gazed in awe at the estate. It was filled with several spiraling towers and domes. Could we just go to a city where we don't have to talk to a king? They entered into a large hall. Surrounding them were immense iron pillars and several statues of dwarven heroes of times long past, each poised in grandiose displays of heroics, brandishing a variety of weapons. One statue in particular caught Elric's attention, a dwarf with a mighty beard bearing a book in one hand and a sword in the other. Its plaque read, King Asanio, the first and true king of Asilia, slayer of the Humerian heretics, may he rest in peace. Looks like I outlived you. I hope your kin is kinder. Elric's thoughts of civil war were interrupted when he noticed an empty throne carved from obsidian. After a moment, a door behind the throne opened, and in came a middle-aged dwarf with a dark beard flecked with silver. He was surrounded by an entourage of various officials, including the Archbishop of Asilia. You will kneel before King Arsino. What is this that is lain before me? Your Highness, we have here yet another brass-handed charlatan. I apprehended them at our gates. Your Highness, we aren't charlatans. Oh, then how do you explain your human with the brass hand? Let me guess. His name is Duncan, and he is here to save the world from malness, for he is returned to wreak havoc on the world. Raven and Elric looked at each other, shocked and perplexed. Duncan's gaze was fixed on the stone floor in front of him. He began to sway back and forth. You seem shocked. What, did you think you were the only ones to come to me claiming to be the savior of Berenia? We have had dozens of these Duncans come forth, all of them a bunch of conniving swindlers looking to coast on the unfounded rumors of Malnus's return. But Malnus has returned! Ha! I am not King Francis of Alvedia. I will not be taken a fool by some swindler with a cheap brass gauntlet. I've heard it all before and I will hear it no more. Away with them to be hanged! Let us make an example to never attempt these theatrics again. As King Arsino was mid-speech, Duncan suddenly <clears throat> fell over. Duncan! 
Elric scooped Duncan up into his lap and saw that up the left side of his neck spidered dark red pulsing veins. Hey there, thanks for listening. If you really enjoyed what you heard, leave a rate and review, and keep up to date with us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Hand of Brass. And if you want to support us further, check out our Patreon. You can get exclusive access to bonus footage, behind the scenes, interviews, and more. Thanks again for listening.